Hello and welcome to another episode of Back of the Grid. I am Tom King and here with me to join the Japanese review is Chris Evans. Hello. And Stu Greenwood. Hello. Hello. How are we both after that eventful few laps towards the beginning of the race? Yeah, it was, it yeah. was, it was good. Considering um, like after qualifying, Danny Ricciardo was saying like, oh, I'll see what I can do, but you can't overtake here. I don't think there was a corner on the track where an overtake didn't happen at some point in the race. It was... Yeah. 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 It certainly woke me up first thing Sunday morning, that's yeah. for sure. Did yeah, you both, for sure. Did you both watch it live? I did not watch it live. Did you? Unfortunately talk? for my body clock, I did. You did? I tried. Yeah. And then uh, I I just couldn't. Given, <laughs> I the night, given the night out me and you had on Saturday, yeah. Stu, that was never <laughs> happening. <laughs> <laughs> That explains why uh, chat was so quiet. <laughs> yeah, yeah, Sunday was a struggle. <laughs> it was very much a struggle. <clears throat> what about Saturday? Let's start with Saturday. Yes. Did you watch that? <laughs> yes, did watch yes. that. <laughs> Absolutely watched that. It was electrifying qualifying. It Absolutely was. brilliant. Good session. Interestingly, though, Hulkenberg out in Q1. That was a bit of a surprise for me. Um, yeah. McLaren's didn't fare too well either. Possibly a Renault thing, I guess, but... Possibly, yeah. Mm. Um, None of them really looked on pace all weekend, did they? No, the McLarens particularly. Yeah, the McLarens looked particularly slow. Yeah, I I have nothing more to add to that. (laughs) There there is nothing worth adding there, I I think, to be honest. A a woeful event for Ricardo, so him not being able to compete in Q2 because of a power engine issue, leading to literal screams of anguish as he walks away from the car. Yeah, it was a shame because the the teams managed to get his car apart, fix it back together in record time. But and ordinarily that would have been great, and he'd probably have been fine. But as it was, it started raining as that was happening, yeah. so he missed the best yeah. of it. Yeah, yeah. Uh, not very often that you see that level of like frustration, it, at least yeah, in the emotion in the public eye from Danny. To is be, it? To be honest, ever since he announced the Renault thing, he's seemed a little he's always seemed a little bit down or a little bit bit off colour yeah he really does it's mm. maybe maybe he's starting to have second thoughts I don't know he has had some terrible luck though oh he's had uh, yeah awful luck since um, I guess it's how much of that you put down to the way that Red Bull are using the Renault but that's something I was going to say constantly isn't it that, that's probably the only saving grace for him is that the only places where Renault engines are exploding is his car and to a lesser yeah. extent, his teammate's car. Yeah, so, but, then, but then last season, you know, Verstappen had loads of terrible luck, didn't he, with the engines? So it's, it's, yeah, it's, it's, it's how it goes. It's just that's yeah. that's Formula One these it days. It is if you're driving a Red Bull, anyway. Yeah. Um, in Q3, we saw what I am going to consider for probably WTF later on, just because Ferrari going out on Inters when it was dry. Yeah, I know the was... rain was coming. But going out on Inters while it was dry, it was a gamble, wasn't it? Um, I, yeah. I don't think it was necessarily a terrible idea. I think in that moment when it looked like the, it did look like the rain, it was fifty-fifty. 
It, it could have come. It was either going to come or not going to come. I suppose the golden rule is always be on the right tyre for the track conditions. And if you follow that rule, then they were obviously on the wrong tyre. But yeah. they were working on the assumption that it was going to rain. And it, I think they were a bit unlucky. It did. Because if it, you know, well, yeah, it did, but not at the right time, did it? It didn't yeah. quite rain soon enough for them. That's, that was the problem. They, they were expecting that rain to come probably 10 minutes sooner than it did. Um, I think the, the the biggest problem is that obviously they had to go straight back in the pits and change which sort of put them out of sequence. But yeah. they were still on the track, on the right tyres at the moment. It was at its fastest. Yeah. And they both yeah. stuck wheels on the curbers and made mistakes. Whereas yeah. Gasly, Hartley, Grosjean all did make mistakes, which is why they all qualified ahead of Vettel. Yeah, you've got this Absolutely. situation where obviously the Inters didn't help, but um, they both got opportunity to do a timed lap on slicks before the rain did come in. But a, a huge mistake from Vettel. Was it, was it, I think it was into Spoon, wasn't it? Yeah, I think it was. Around I think they were both into yeah, Spoon. Exit of Spoon, yeah. That was a, an issue for him straight off the bat. And um, by that time, the the rain was there and there was no way of getting a, a lap anywhere near anybody else's up towards the top because it was too wet. Um, Bit of a mess, led, really. Led to another Leclerc 360, though, like the one in Germany. Did you spot yeah, that? Almost mirror image of it, wasn't it? I can't. I think that was in qualifying, was it not? Yeah, it was in Q2, I think, because he didn't go through. He's a man who likes to do very controlled pirouettes. Yeah, (laughs) it's a shame because he was, I think he was best of the rest in Q1, wasn't he? But didn't pull out together in Q2. Yeah, yeah, he was up there. Um, So, yeah, that ultimately meant Vettel was starting, well, qualified ninth, but started eighth because of Ocon's penalty. Um, And a surprise for for the Honda engines, I guess. Yeah. Sixth and seventh for those guys, Hartley ahead of Gasly. Oh, I was surprised by it at least. Yeah, I think that was probably Hartley's best lap in F1 yeah. today. So. Yeah, um, I think it probably was. It obviously helped by the by the upgraded power unit that they've got, but also mm-hmm. probably flattered somewhat by the conditions. And yeah, definitely. Uh, you know, do we think that if it had not rained, they'd still have qualified where they did? I reckon they would have been in Q3 still. Well, but do you? Yeah, think I think they'd have probably got through still. Uh, yeah, the only person I think realistically that would have been ahead of them if it weren't wasn't for the weather and and stuff would have probably been Seb. Um, yeah, they were in Q three on merit like in the first this, place. So. Yeah, exactly. They, they seemed there on merit. Um, yeah. The race pace wasn't there, as we'll maybe talk about in a <laughs> sec. But whether that was just turning it up to eleven for qualifying to at least give the Honda fans at home some sort of showing yeah, knowing maybe. that they weren't going to be able to compete wheel to wheel with some teams in the race let's at least get a good qualifying performance out of it possibly because they were stark mm. contrast yeah. to each other really weren't they I guess yeah totally I mean they have qualified so, both Force Indias which is no mean feat no nah, I mean yeah. well yeah the Force India's got the Mercedes engine in it hasn't it so to, yeah. to beat them yeah. at, at what is really a power track isn't it Suzuka mm. is a yeah. proper power track um, yeah this, this, that that engine's coming along quite nicely, isn't it? I suspect Red Bull might be sort of pushing them in the direction of give us a really good quality mode for next season because they've been so frustrated by not having that yeah. through this entire generation of engines that maybe that's a priority for them to get that. And once you've got that and you've got a quick engine, you can then sort of start building, working back and building the reliability into it from that's there. That's very true. Yeah. And... It's been a Red Bull philosophy for 
a long time, hasn't it? Of tr- you know, get the car to the front and then hold that position. Yeah, it's how, yeah. It's how they used to win titles. So <laughs> yeah, one one lap pace is is what they want. So yeah, yeah totally. Um, but moving on to the race, moving on to the race at least. Um, Seb managed to recover somewhat with a good opening sort of let's call it 10 corners um straight yeah. past the Toro Rossos through the um through the S's and then also an absolutely superb move on Grosjean down at turn 12 which is on the way into Spoon the big sweeping right yeah yeah Super not really not quite move. not quite a corner is it it's more of a straight in these cars but yeah, yeah they, they, they're full throttle through there, it's flat they? isn't it yeah <clears throat> But yeah, heck but, um, of a move. Wheels on yeah, the grass. Yeah, damn impressive. Just, nope. just enough space. Well, actually not quite enough space for a car, which is why he was slightly on the grass. But uh... <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> Grosjean probably rudely awakened by <laughs> the fact that there was a giant red Ferrari coming right through the inside of the, uh, the corner. Yeah. Um, and Grosjean played his part. Well, he didn't panic or uh, <laughs> do anything <laughs> silly. Yeah, yeah. I mean, is it, well, is it, to be fair, at that point, like the way that overtake sort of worked out, I think he's, he's lucky that um, he put the car where he. Did. I don't think he knew much about it, <laughs> from what I yeah. know. And I mean, the the natural racing line there does kind of swing away to the outside of the corner yeah. to get back into the right for spoon. So I guess there was always going to be a gap there. Yeah, unless he did then, something silly. And then obviously Vettel was relying on himself getting up alongside him and then being seen after the yeah. after the event. Really, I guess after the point mm. of no return for uh, for Grosjean. And yeah, banging move though. Really, really good move. Do you know, as good as the move is, you know, the only thing that's a downer on it for me is he shouldn't have been in the position to have to make it in the first well, place. He shouldn't, yeah. shouldn't have been there. Like, that should have been him maybe pushing Bottas or Hamilton or something for, yeah. you know, first or second. That That's what that move should have been or what should, it could have been. Uh, well, should have, could have, would have, you know? Like, if... If uh, if he had qualified further up, would he have had the power? You know, would the would the Mercedes have been slow at that point on the track? Probably not. He probably wouldn't have had the opportunity to go against to go to wheel with the Mercedes. I don't think at at that point in the race or was it like potentially two? not. Yeah, no. like maybe he'd have been on the tail through the S's or something. But yeah, like round that sort of point, it's it's going to start struggling, isn't it? But mm. it's having said yeah. that. He was on the he was on the faster tire than the Mercedes, wasn't he? He was on the uh, the super soft. He was, yeah, yeah. And the Mercedes were on the softs, yeah. So, uh, yeah, if, if and if not there, maybe on strategy they could have done something. Um, yeah, I just I I agree though. I don't think that Ferrari was ever going to trouble the Mercedes for pace. It's like um, I watched it on uh, Channel Four, and David Coulthard spoke to Christian Horner just before the race and said, "Like, what's your best chance here?" And he basically pointed at the um, gantry and said, "Between here and there, like, unless he gets the absolute perfect start and slides between the Mercedes, they're just not going to see him for the rest of the race." Which actually would, didn't turn out to not be entirely true, but uh, mm. that's jumping to the end of the race. <laughs> yeah, we'll uh, we'll eventually get to like lap two and three. Yeah. <laughs> Um, but at the end of lap one, um, we saw one of his drivers uh, in an incident with Kimi. It was one Max Verstappen. Um, went a little deep into the um, final chicane, missed the apex on the entry and kind of went straight off into the runoff, but then essentially mounted the curb, trying to come 
back on during the second part of the chicane as Raikkonen is exiting the corner, as he should, like on the normal line. They come together. Um, ultimately, let's Vettel past Kimi, but earned a five-second penalty for Max for not rejoining the track safely. So, deserved penalty or not? Uh, yeah, I think completely it was for me. Absolutely yeah. deserved. It was a slam dunk for me that one. That was um, that was the very definition of rejoining the track unsafely for me. Yeah, yeah. I like mean, if you, with you both, so yeah, he, he drove on from the left-hand side of the track and touched the curb on the right-hand side, which is not how you need to be doing it. No, yeah. yeah. And I mean, he was he was moaning about it afterwards and saying, "Well, Raikkonen could have given me space to." rejoin like it's not on Raikkonen to slow down to let you back on the track is no, it like just because you're not. you've made a mistake and you're trying to get back on as quickly as you can you can't expect everyone else to back off and like oh no after you mate off you go yeah it's a ridiculous yeah. thing to say I can't believe he, he said that yeah it really is he was trying to use an argument at one point as well about um, um I should just keep my foot in like Bottas did and and not get a penalty but the the point is if if he'd have carried on a straight line from where he went off to where he could have then rejoined the track from where the alternate configuration is. He could have rejoined quite safely, possibly alongside Raikkonen with the way Raikkonen was in the corner and maybe just had a drag race with him sort of down the start-finish straight or something. Like, he'd not, he'd not lost... It, it, it seemed of a desperation move to make sure he stayed ahead yeah. of Raikkonen and didn't lose the place. Exactly. That's exactly didn't need. what it was. No, that's exactly what it was. I, I when it happened, I even exclaimed to myself. I was just like, "No <laughs> one likes to see that. That's not right. It wasn't right." No, it was. It was immature. Mm. I actually think a five-second penalty is almost a little generous there, to be honest. Mm. Especially when he ended up finishing ahead of both Ferraris on the track. Anyway, I mean, obviously yeah. the penalty didn't make that much difference, but you could argue that's more Ferrari's fault than anything else. Yeah. Well, in let, let's compare it to something else that happened, which was Alonso and Stroll came together at more or less the same sort of point. Um, but that was more on the entry into the chicane. Stroll apparently didn't realise Alonso was as far round the outside as he was. Shut the door on him a little, made contact, pushed him onto the grass. Stroll was penalised for forcing Alonso off track, which five-second penalty again seems fair enough but Alonso was also penalised in the same incident with a five second uh, penalty because of the way he re-entered the track unsafely which was essentially floor it, go through the grass and hope for the best Um, that that was a very Alonso thing to do wasn't it, it was very like I've been wronged, I'm going to respond by putting my foot down and just driving away from the problem (laughs) yeah, um, I I think dangerous nonetheless though, um like it kicked up a lot of mess, and yeah. he's if he's flooring that and coming with all that stuff on his tires into that final bend, you know anything could have happened realistically. I know we talk about experience and stuff, but you know he could have lost control of it round the bend. He could have there could have been somebody coming out of the chicane in the same way Raikkonen was on Verstappen. Like you can't just floor it, I don't think, and that's just as unsafe as. Verstappen coming on far too early, I think, in my opinion. So the the same punishment for both of them, I guess, is fitting in a way. I don't know. Yeah, I think so. I don't think I've got a problem with any of those first lap chicane penalties, to be honest. 
Mm. Yeah, at least we saw some consistency in the fact that when stuff was happening there, it was being picked up and similar penalties were being dished out for similar incidents, which is one of the things we usually end up complaining about is a lack of consistency. Yeah. I'm just watching it now. Mm -hmm. Um, Carry on. I just want to watch it and see because I didn't actually, I don't recall seeing this. I do have an issue with the fact that they were all deemed worth penalties and something that happened a few laps later wasn't. But again, we'll get to that. Well, it depends on which which of two incidents you're talking about. Um, we will come, <laughs> well, we'll come to one. We will we will see if that is one of them, and then we'll, if it's not, we'll move to the other one. <laughs> stew, stew your thoughts upon watching the incident. I'm watching it again because that video was rubbish. Hold on. <laughs> Stroll's well, Stroll's gone off the track at 130R. Yes, ran wide, um, ran wide. going around the outside of Alonso. Alonso. That was the start of it all. Alonso uh, goes straight over the grass. Yeah. Oh, I do remember now. Actually, yeah. Uh, well, you know, I think he did get pushed off the track by. So Stroll got the penalty for going off track at one thirty R, right? Is that what his penalty for? Was no, no, he got the penalty advantage? for pushing for squeezing Alonso wide. There was no problem with him running wide because ultimately going wide compromised him, which is why Alonso got up alongside him because he'd run out wide and picked up mess on his tyres so it was the but, squeeze he but, was in uh, trouble for well that's that's ridiculous for Alonso to get a penalty because he's been pushed off the track by someone else so he's going to come he's, he's always going to be compromised what was the penalty for rejoining unsafely yeah flooring it yeah, through it was, the grass I think I think specifically it was um, cutting a corner and gaining advantage basically which he very much did by the time he'd cut across through the grass he was then several car lengths ahead of Stroll, who he went into yeah, but, the corner side by side with. But, but Stroll forced the issue. Stroll forced him off the track, so he was always he, he was left no option really but to cut the corner. Yeah, two wrongs don't make a right, though, do they? Well, I suppose not. But like the, the whole thing never would have occurred if Stroll had not pushed him off. So I don't think it's quite fair to give Alonso a penalty. I, I'm I'm on Alonso's side here. I think that the thing is, there's that chicane is one of those kind of double chicanes, so it can be a. You can do the the version they do, which is turn right straight away and left, or you can go a bit further on and do right left sort of further around. But no one who went off of that chicane actually followed the alternate bit of track to get back on. Everyone yeah. either cut, bounced across the curbs or floored it across the grass, which is like there's a piece of tarmac there ready for you to drive on to get back onto the actual track, and no yeah. one seemed to want to drive on it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I think oh, we might all have to agree to disagree on that one. I feel, I feel a bit like it was a it's a bit harsh to give him what was it a five yeah. second penalty? It's the the fact that they both got the same penalty seemed. Yeah. Then again, I guess because they both got the same penalty, ultimately Alonso did end up with the advantage out of it because once they've both taken five seconds, he's still ahead of him. Mm. So I guess you could argue that Alonso has still come off better out of it. But yeah, the the thing that's not very clear from the footage, I guess, is who else was around them in that mix because if he's got right on the tail of somebody else and it creates him a chance into turn one, that's him getting an unfair advantage from flooring it through the the grass, isn't it? Because if he's then somewhere he shouldn't have been, that's maybe where that penalty comes back into play, I guess. Alonso's frame of mind is probably he's just gained an advantage by going off the track, so I'm going to gain an advantage by going off the track as well. Yeah, it's well. He's no. He's just gained an advantage by going off the track. Then he's forced me off the track. So now I'm just going to go straight here because that that he's going to get the penalty, not me. 
I don't think Stroll gets an advantage going wide there, though, just because of that's the reason. It, 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 it should have lifted. Yeah, but it puts Alonso into yeah, play. He's gone wide. He's come out of the track. He's come off the track. He's, he's he's gone wide at one thirty. Yeah, if he'd lifted, he wouldn't have gone wide. So he's getting an advantage. Yeah, but if if he'd, he's gone wide, picked up dirt, which is then what's put Alonso in play in the first place into the braking zone. So he's at a disadvantage in theory. Well, he's not because he's got track position. He's overtaken Alonso by going off the track. Would you like the um, Charlie Whiting and the stewards' view on it? Yeah, let's yes. hear it. Uh, the stewards felt it was perfectly clear what Fernando did. He cut the chicane, gro- drove quickly across the gravel and came back way out in front. I think it was pretty clear that he had gained his advantage by leaving the track. The stewards felt that Stroll had actually forced Fernando off, so you could not say that because Fernando was forced off, he was entitled to cut the chicane. He wasn't. He should not have taken a place by doing it, but equally Stroll should not have pushed him off the track because they felt each driver should get a five-second penalty for two separate offences. Uh, he went on to explain that if Alonso had not gained a position by cutting the chicane and had even given the place back to Stroll, which I'm not sure I agree with, uh, they would not have given a penalty. Um, so I guess they, they saw it as two separate incidents. Um, okay, that's. I mean, that's the logical way of looking at it, isn't it, I guess? Yeah, I guess probably, so, yeah. I think probably you should have given the position back and then just relied on him getting a penalty for forcing him off the track. Mm. That would be the sensible thing to do, wouldn't it? Yeah, actually, that's very true. <laughs> Let him give him the position and stay within five seconds. Yeah, exactly. Stay within five seconds. He he gets held up, and then you've got the position anyway. I guess is the it's a very procedural way of looking at it from yeah. from them, but it, I guess it works. So it should be. That's how it should be. Yeah, but there's yeah. absolutely looking at the onboard from Alonso. There's absolutely no doubt in my mind that um, Stroll overtake he, he overtook him off the track. Both all four wheels were over the white line. He's he he should have lifted to not go wide at that corner. And if he'd had lifted, he wouldn't have got the position. So, therefore, yeah, he's getting, it's he's true. Getting, Stroll's getting advantage twice, and he's got one penalty for it. In my in my view, I do think, like you say, Tom. Normally, if you run wide through on thirty yard, you don't really get an advantage. But on this occasion, actually, like you say, I think if he had, if he hadn't have run wide through there, he probably wouldn't have taken the place. So, yeah, lots lots going on there. When you're wheel to wheel like that, like. You know, I think it's more like if, if you're just on like a just a regular lap and you're not battling with anyone, fine, go wide, lose lose a bit of grip, get pick up some dust. But if you're dueling, then yeah, totally, it's, it's a different it's, thing. It's a different thing, yeah. It's it shouldn't, it's not right. But that's my like I say, my opinion. Yeah, well, I, I think it's harsh criticizing Stroll for attempting that move when Magnussen attempted very some something very similar. Albeit, yes, pulled it off better by staying within the white line. But if you do, it's one of those things for me. If you don't, um, if you don't attempt it, then it's like, what? What's the point? Like, you know, what's the point in oh, being yeah. there if you've got that run on somebody and you're not going to attempt it? Hats off to him for attempting it, but Magnussen like did it better. <laughs> yeah, he did. Magnussen did it significantly better. Yeah, um, that's another one that didn't really get shown on TV. I don't think, but. Um, yeah, Magnussen around the outside of uh, Leclerc into he's like on the second no, it's a few laps in I think wasn't it? Um, um, I can't remember how early it was. it was because it did because I've seen it afterwards and it wasn't shown in the context of the the live race. I think it's fairly early on because there's still you know a decent train of cars, but I can't quite pinpoint exactly where it is. Yeah, so. It's, um... It was very much, we saw the absolute best of Magnussen followed by the absolute worst of him in the space of like three corners, which was the sad part. 
<laughs> yeah, definitely. Because moments after said overtake, um, he sliced across the front of Leclerc, ending his own race and potentially Leclerc's race later on. Kevin Magnussen did yet another one of his defensive chops, which is the thing that I think he got. He was very lucky not to get a penalty for. Yeah, totally. Um, I don't know how he didn't get a penalty for that. I think it was... He, he because made he multiple, ended his he own race in doing it, I think. Yeah, that's why. I guess he's, so, he's, yeah. very, he's very, very lucky that he did more damage to himself than Charles Leclerc, but ultimately Leclerc retired and there were there were issues with the car, um, potentially from the front end, from the damage caused by the move. So he may have caused Leclerc's race to end later like as a consequence of the incident maybe not a direct impact of it but as a consequence so i'm very surprised that that if that doesn't get brought up in the driver's briefing in a couple of weeks time in austin well to go back to charlie white in corner he said the reason that he didn't get a penalty was basically that on the telemetry they didn't see Leclerc made his move and then Magnussen reacted to it. They basically both made the move to the right-hand side at the same time, which is why he didn't get a penalty. Mm. Personally, I disagree with that logic because if you're on the racing line going down that straight and someone is barreling towards you going significantly faster, they're only ever going to dive to the inside. So for you to wait until they're under your wing and then you also go to the right-hand side, like he knew exactly what he was doing there. I don't believe that that's just... Uh, oh, we happen to both go the same way. Like, it, yeah. it's, We've seen Magnussen do that kind of thing so many times before. It just yeah. smacks of the same kind yeah. of dodgy defending for me. Leclerc had a thing yeah. or two to say about that one, didn't he? Mm. He was not a happy boy. To have someone just slice across the front of you going that fast is really... like That could have been a huge accident. Yeah, yeah it could have been a lot worse than it was. And... You know, there's every chance it could have ended both both races there and then on the spot. Um, yeah, I mean, it basically did anyway, didn't it? Yeah, like, but at that sort of speed as well, the the closing speeds of them, and it's to me, it's quite an aggressive move across from Magnussen, which, um, that's why I'm surprised that it, it's like it's not both cars moving to the right causing an incident. As, as it's been described, it's quite an aggressive swipe across from Magnussen yeah. rather than a move, which I think is why it's a bit odd. That Well, I, like I said, I think it'll get brought up in the driver's briefing oh, in a definitely. couple of weeks because the other drivers will want to know why he's been allowed to do that when there's been specific rules put in place to avoid <laughs> yeah. that kind of thing. So I wish we still got the videos of those driver briefings. Yeah. He's only actually on three penalty points, Kevin Magnussen. It's it's a shame, really, because we've sort of praised him for st- some of the good driving that he's been doing, and he seemed like he'd got that out of his system almost and yeah. started to mature as a driver and, and on all that kind of stuff. But then this is like a, a, a flash of that old Kevin Magnussen that was getting him a bit of a, bit of a bad reputation going into early lap tussles and stuff, wasn't yeah. it? Yeah, he can be a very dirty driver. Mm. Oh, savage. It is, though. It's true. It is true. He can be. He just can't race like that. Yeah, that is very true. Was that the incident that you thought deserved a penalty and didn't get one? That was absolutely the incident, yeah. So it wasn't the next one, then? (laughs) It's a big one. It's all about incidents this week. Um, Yeah, the the other big one was a Vettel trying to move on the inside of Verstappen at Spoon. Uh, Made contact. 
damaged his own front wing. Um, kind of give Verstappen a bit of a punt, but Verstappen managed to carry on okay. Um, Seb was facing the wrong way, lost a lot of positions, um, and sort of wrecked any chance he had of closing down Hamilton realistically in the race and um, went down as a racing incident. Do we think that is a, a fair assessment of that scenario? Well, they were racing and it was an incident. So. <laughs> <laughs> As a descriptor, it is accurate. <laughs> I I do think it was a racing incident. I'm I'm still kind of undecided on it though, like as to where blame can be apportioned for that. It was it was an incredibly ambitious move that was probably never going to work. Yeah. And as but as much as Verstappen said he gave him room, he could have given him more room. <laughs> Like he Vettel's wheels were on the inside curb and he still hit the side of the Stafford's car. Now, whether Vettel's car should have been there in the first place or not is a different matter, but I do think Verstappen could have played that a bit safer and given him room. And it's all right saying, oh, but you should know that Verstappen never gives an inch, but you can't just say that as an excuse for him always being able to crowd people yeah off the track yeah, sort of well, it's, it's, a, it's a really tricky one Verstappen would say that he did give him room though wouldn't he yeah, well yeah he would and he, yeah. and he did and, <laughs> and the, he's got the, the other thing on his side which is how much of a car length in front he still was at the time before oh, yeah, going completely. into the corner you know he's not adjusted from the racing line and cut the racing line off or anything he's taken the, the natural racing line he was you know, at least half a car ahead, if not more at the time. Yeah. And Vettel actually, I heard after the race, used um, an infamous quote from somebody else, or almost word for word, but said, um, there's a gap there, and if I don't go, for, don't go for that gap when it's on, I might as well not bother turning up each weekend, yeah. which is very similar to another famous quote. Um, it is. But and it's, yeah. it's a fair point. But at the same time, like he's the position he's in the championship now, he has to take some risks. Yeah. But I don't think that was a particularly it, well calculated risk. Yeah, it's about the right risks at the right time. And I don't know it's if a, that was the right risk at the right time. Yeah, it's a long old race, isn't it? And the, yeah. it was going to have op- other opportunities to overtake him. He was in a faster car. It was going to. It was. It was um, like you. You both say it's very ambitious. Um, was the move ever on? Probably not. That door was always going to close. Is lucky that it didn't yeah. close any further than it did because yeah. um, Verstappen could have quite easily gone all the way over to the apex if he didn't have his wits about him and, and wrecked both mm. their races completely ruined. You know, you re- could have been looking at a retirement. So, yeah, I think he's yeah totally as bad as it is. I think he actually got a little bit lucky that he was able to carry on, carry on yeah, in totally. the race. For me, I think one of the reasons it potentially went down as a racing incident is in those scenarios, you're usually looking at the driver coming from behind being the one that's, unless there's a clear move across to shut a door, and which is aggressive, usually it's the driver making the, the, the dive that's the one, you know, the move that's the one that's where the finger gets pointed. And I think maybe because of that factor and... um 
Verstappen being able to carry on and Vettel being the one that suffered ultimately, it's one of those scenarios where the stewards possibly look at that, see that the incident has played out against Vettel because he's come out worse off and if if they were potentially going to apportion blame, it may have gone that way that ultimately it comes out as a null and void because they don't think Verstappen did anything in, enough to to cause the incident and yeah you know Vettel's had a repercussion of the the move as well yeah definitely and I think that I we've said that. before that, that I think comes into the decision making and that's possibly an example of it um but yeah yeah I think know. if you were gonna apportion blame it'd probably be 80 20 in you know, eighty yeah, percent Vettel's but, fault, maybe twenty yeah, percent Verstappen's fault. Because you yeah, know, at, at worst, Verstappen, Verstappen, I would say Verstappen could have given him a bit more room watching it back, but why should he? <laughs> you know, yeah, that's it. Like, I, I'm with I'm with you there. Like, I I don't think he was too aggressive in the way that he was he was closing the, the door on it, and he was. To me, in my eyes, he was far enough ahead and stayed to the the natural racing line without, you know, being aggressive about the way he was shutting the door on Vettel. So that, yeah. that's why, yes, he could have been a little more courteous and given him more room. But at the end of the day, they're racing. So yeah, yeah, and I mean, as much as I think you should be careful, of, you know, applying rules to different drivers in different ways just because they are whoever they are. Um, at the end of the day, it was. Vettel should have known that Verstappen wasn't going to give him any more room than he absolutely had to because that's the yeah. way Verstappen races. So yeah. He's been racing him long enough now to know. Yeah, totally. It's it's another mistake from Vettel. Vettel, it's a, it's, it was a desperate move. That's, there's no doubt about mm. that. It was desperation. Um, it's Yeah, it's just another slip-up from him on a weekend where he's had slip-ups aplenty. So, you know, this this mm. championship is really, really slipping from his grasp now. You know, when just before Singapore, they absolutely dominated in Belgium. Um Italy they should have won. You know, they should have they should have had a one two in Italy and then they just they were yeah. out outraced by Mercedes. Um and since then it's just gone from bad to shambolic, hasn't it? <laughs> <laughs> Pretty much. Um and well, this is why he's lost his championship. It's Oh, he's lost like it, has he? That is it done oh, for yeah, you? Yeah, yeah, it's done. It's done. I, it's yeah, not it's mathematically done. done, but we've we've been quite open about the fact that we think still it's, to play for. But yeah, you, you're saying that's it now, hundred percent done. Yeah, but I mean, if you look back at this season, like um, Baku, he was running second behind Bottas, who eventually retired as well. Um, and he tried to take the lead, locked up, mm-hmm. ended up finishing fourth. France, he played into Bottas in turn one, yep. got himself a penalty, dropped to the back, finished fifth. Germany, as I think one you mentioned, he crashed out from the lead. Italy, he made that slightly ambitious pass on Hamilton, ended up spinning, yep. finished fourth. Um, and obviously now Japan, he's had this incident, finished sixth. Like You don't win championships coming fourth, fifth and no. sixth. And if, you, if he'd finished all of those races where he could have finished had he not made those mistakes, he'd still be leading the championship and i think the most painful thing for him as well is it's very very clear to see that the better driver is winning the championship this season without mm. with, absolutely without doubt lewis hamilton has been pretty <clears throat> flawless this year we well yeah and and also it's um 
like last year we as a as a group between the three of us criticized Ferrari more or less for for throwing that away with poor strategy decisions and generally speaking they've been far better on that and a lot of these incidents come down to mistakes Vettel has made and, and incidents he's gotten himself into and things like that so it's it it's very much come down to like what Stu says that the, the more consistent and the better performing driver is the one that's leading because of that. Yeah, hmm, totally. Um, I might have a quick little detour to the inbox here because there's a couple of questions that fit in exactly with what we're talking let's about. Let's do here. that then. Let's. Well, one one statement, one question. Uh, Peter Reynolds said uh, Lewis Hamilton's driving as well as he ever had. He's shown himself a true great. Vettel is not. Can't take the pressure. Uh, shame will always be seen as good, not great, compounded by bad strategy calls. Um, and then that's life. Um, say, is Vettel holding Ferrari back? As an example, if Alonso was still at Ferrari with arguably the best car for the last two seasons, would he have clinched the title? Hmm. Which Ooh. is a really interesting question. That's a very like, interesting question. For all the times we've criticised Ferrari this season for making mistakes, I think ultimately the the blame for Vettel not winning this title largely sits with Vettel. Yeah, and would another driver in that car have beaten Hamilton to the title? I, I think Alonso would have at least given him a a, a closer run towards the end. I don't think the gap would be this big if it was Alonso, personally. Or at least not... Then again, Seb on form, I think, could have taken the fight to the end. And Seb has sort of, I don't know, since like halfway through the season, just slowly started to lose his his head a little. I think he's shown himself to be not as good a driver as everyone thinks he is. For him to to be cracking under the pressure the way he has been and for him to be crashing the way he has... This season, I mean, well, maybe, we, I mean, maybe had... there's something about the Ferrari that makes it a crashy car. Maybe it's a very difficult car to drive. We, we, you know, there's no comp- maybe there's no way of comparing the two cars. It could be a much, much more difficult thing to handle than the Mercedes. I'm sure it is. I'm gonna make a bold statement here. I think we're seeing the beginning of the end of Vettel at Ferrari. I think if Leclerc comes in next season and he's on pace straight away and rocks that boat a bit. I really get the feeling Vettel's just not going to come back from that enough to actually challenge for a world title again. I honestly am beginning to believe we've seen all of Vettel's championships. Chris, I don't think that's that bold a statement at all. I, I absolutely agree no. with you. Yeah, I um, mean, if if we had 10 race seasons, Vettel would be on the verge of equaling Schumacher's seven titles right now. Yeah. <laughs> but he can only do about ten half to two-thirds <laughs> of a season. Yeah, and it just... It just always seems to fall apart from him. Not entirely always his own fault. It's fair to say, you know, like I think last season Ferrari probably played more of a part in them losing than Vettel did. But this season, I think it's squarely on his shoulders. And it's a shame because there's we're living in this era of like they are the two great drivers and we haven't actually had that many really close fights with them on track. And I don't think we've ever had a season between the two of them that's actually gone down to the wire. Like the last yeah. three seasons, well, okay, last two seasons, yeah. Hamilton is assuming he wins in the next yeah. couple of races. He's <laughs> yeah, winning it with races to spare. Which, yeah, I can tell you one thing: it won't go down to the wire this season. Now, it'll, it'll, <laughs> yeah, I think he'll win it next next race. I think it's done. If Hamilton wins, Vettel has to come second to keep yeah. it alive. Yeah. Yeah. And, he, and, and even then, that takes it down to a single point. There's only a yeah. single point 
like it would need Hamilton to DNF and two and come tenth in one. Like that is the only way it's mathematically possible if that happens. And you know what? For the last sort of third of that race, when Hamilton was complaining about um, uh, sort of the engine, engine lagging a bit, hesitations, wasn't it? Yeah. yeah. And I'm sat there thinking. This this could be the retirement the vet was waiting for, and where is he? He's working his way yeah. back through the field yeah, exactly. in like twelfth or something. <laughs> that ex- that yeah. exact thought like, went through my head as well. Yeah. Exactly where he should have been is second, mm-hmm. with the team saying, "Right, Hamilton's having some engine problems," Push him. and just hounding him, yeah. yeah, pushing him as hard yeah. as he could. Totally, and he's not. He's down fighting with Grosjean for about the third time that race. Yeah, mm. yep. Right, this could be this could be controversial. Do we feel like <laughs> Ferrari... I suppose Ferrari have got previous, so this isn't necessarily going to be the case. But since Sergio Marchioni passed away, it's almost as if that coincides with the downfall of Ferrari this season. It's like he was holding it all together for them, maybe. I, I don't they, know. because They I, don't I, have that anchor anymore. I don't think it's so much Ferrari that's the problem, as I say. Like yeah fair enough there's there was the bold call for the inters and stuff but those things do happen like the to me there's there's a lot of blame that can sort of be firmly laid at sebastian's mistakes basically like he had an opportunity to qualify better made a mistake um he had an opportunity to be doing better in the race made a bit of a rash move on verstappen cost himself um a few weeks ago um he drove into the wall in Germany, that that's where he started for me. He drove into the wall in Germany, mm. um, and he had an opportunity to be heading towards the summer break there at that point with a lead in the title and and something to hold on to. Where instead he's got a DNF and Hamilton comes through and wins in in the the tricky conditions that that tripped up Vettel, and I think that. There was a pressure that was evident in Germany of he he wants to win there. He feels like he needs to win there. And then it's been a little bit of a a tumbling point since then where he's just he it's almost like he's putting more and more pressure on himself. And it got to the point now where he's like, I have to win these races. If I don't win these races, it's over. And it, it's just boiled over to the point now where it's it's too much and it's well, it's led to what is more than likely, yeah. bar some insane <laughs> incidents and DNFs, it's Lewis's to, to lose uh, now, isn't it? You know it? what? So. I'll, t- I'll tell you what, it'd be the most dr- dramatic sporting comeback of our generation if he does win the chat, if Vettel <laughs> yeah. does win it this season. To, I almost want him to win it because it'd be such a great story. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, but then, do you like to just quickly go back to what Stu was saying? Is all these sort of mistakes he's making is part of a reason for that. The a lack of trust in the team, and as I think we were saying a few races ago, him trying to run the team from the cockpit rather as well. than trusting them to do things properly. Whereas you, I mean, yes, Hamilton likes to have a moan on the radio every now and again, but the relationship between him and his team definitely feels a lot stronger than it's not more trust what Vettel has with there? Ferrari. Yeah, yeah, I think so. I, I can understand why he'd be dubious about certain things and I can it's like we said the other week I can sort of see why he maybe questions things more than others because he has been let down by them before but I think on this season's form 
he needs to he, he needs to have cut them a little bit of slack because they've been vastly improved in my opinion. Not perfect, like the far like well, no, you know, perfect is what wins you the championships and they're not leading it, yeah, so they're not perfect. But hmm. they've been a lot better. And and like I say, I just think a lot yeah. more and I think it I think that pressure of I've got to bring this title to Ferrari and this this is my chance to do it. This is the year. This the cars started out better than the Mercedes and has been stronger. I think he's maybe put all that on himself. Um and in fairness to him, he does a good job of hiding that when it comes to press interviews and stuff like that. And his press personas is still there and but I think that deep down maybe that's that's a factor. The whole pressure of I want to emulate Michael and I want to bring a title back to Ferrari for the first time in yeah. however long ten years it's been now, hasn't it? So himself to blame, I think. Yeah, it's a shame. It's a real shame. It, we've I've, I've, we've just lost out on this battle down to the wire yet again. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I don't think it's quite fair to say that it's only himself to blame. I think Ferrari have done a lot better this season in terms of strategy, but I'd say it's not difficult to do better in terms of strategy when you are making ninety percent of the wrong calls last season and you go to making 50, <laughs> only fifty percent of the wrong calls this season. So. You know, it's difficult to point the finger squarely yeah. at Vettel for for these things. But no. but the the calls that Ferrari have made wrong this season have been more situations to me like where they've they've tried to deploy Raikkonen as some kind of utility item, and then Vettel, <laughs> Vettel's made a mistake and crashed out, and. Raikkonen's then not in a position to to score good points because Tom, Vettel's Tom. made a mistake and Raikkonen's now halfway down the field defending something Tom. that is pointless. Your utility item. <laughs> oh snap! <laughs> <laughs> right, should, should we stop <laughs> hating on Vettel now? No, we're not hating on him. We're debating on him. We're not. It's. Uh, <laughs> I'm, it, it's just disappointment. It's. It is. That's what it I, is. I don't want to come across as like too negative on him but it is just I want a wheel-to-wheel battle in Abu Dhabi for the championship and yet again we're not going to get that I I think if it came down to it as a Ferrari fan I would be upset with Vettel in the same way that if I was a fan of a football team and the striker wasn't scoring goals and and putting chances wide Mm. you'd start to point the finger at the striker and say the striker's not performing not Mm. the rest of the team um, sometimes it comes down to the team putting the driver in those positions. Like we've said, you know, it's not entirely at fault. But I think if I sort of put that hat on, I think that's where a lot of it comes from. Well, if you're a Ferrari fan, I don't think we're many seasons away from uh, Leclerc leading that team. Yeah, yeah. So, And that's a lovely hat, Tom. It is. He's <laughs> got Kimi Raikkonen's number on it, though, unfortunately, for Sebastian. <laughs> Uh, right, we better move on. We better move um, on from that one. We've been on it. We, for we way better too long. move on. Look, look at yeah. Leclerc twenty nineteen. It's in the bag. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Get so, a tattoo. Get yeah. a tattoo to yourself. <laughs> I'm not that confident. I'm confident, but I'm not that confident. A <laughs> uh, couple of other things to just sort of go through, I guess, from the race. Um, there's a little bit of a crazy moment around lap thirty where Grosjean managed to get himself involved on a Perez overtake. Perez was overtaking Leclerc into turn yeah. one and Grosjean was on his way out of the pits and somehow got involved in that. And yeah, that was a little crazy to see three wide into turn one, more or less. The The midfield battle in general was just 
ridiculous for that entire race. Yeah. I feel like everyone that finished sort of seventh down to about 13th or 14th all had a battle with each other at some point. So basically everyone except McLaren and Williams. <laughs> Pretty much, yeah. They had their own battle. Unfortunately. Which, oh, remember the days when McLaren and Williams fighting each other was like for Exciting. wins. Yeah. 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 Oh. Um, that's actually, I think, quite a good point. I've mentioned this Twitter account a few times and never actually remember the name Ooh. of it, so I'll make sure I go in advance. It is F1 Alternatives, F1 underscore Alternatives on Twitter, who basically put up tables for the world championship ignoring mercedes ferrari and red bull um so in that championship uh hulkenberg is still winning at the moment um uh, very closely followed (laughs) by (laughs) well i just think it's it's my sympathetic sigh for hulkenberg actually getting podiums yeah it is actually well he's in the tier two championship he's got four wins um then perez is only six points behind him Ocon a further point behind, signs a further few points behind. Uh, there's only 16 points covering the top five in the second tier championship. If only we could get that a lot in the more top exciting tier. than the top tier. Yeah. Wow. Oh. Um, but yeah, I recommend you have a look at that Twitter account. Actually, um, it's it's very interesting. Uh, Renault winning the team's championship um, over Haas by not many as well. Um, hmm. So yeah, that's where the real excitement is. Yeah. Well, we know yeah. what the solution is, don't we? Ban Ferrari, Mercedes, and Red Bull. Yeah, just get, get rid of them and just, just get, have the other teams. Yeah, don't need them. Yeah, don't need them. <laughs> I bet we would have like a. Re- you know, if you just sit and watch that midfield battle, it is quite entertaining. You know, if you get opportunity to like just sit and watch the onboards with the app or something like that during a race, there, there is really need an option on the app that's just ignore the top three teams. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, I don't. I don't think certain sponsors on on cars would be quite impressed by that. Probably though. not. <laughs> so there you go. Mm. That's probably why we don't see that. Yeah. So. Um, all the way through all of this stuff we've talked about, Daniel Ricciardo decided to side his way through the field, um, ultimately ending up fourth. Uh, Vettel, due to incidents we've previously discussed, tried to do this, a similar thing, but unfortunately only got back to sixth. Great drive from Danny Rick, really, is the point of that. Yes, very good. Just, he just quietly worked his way through, didn't he? Yeah. Yeah, just to go back to Vettel for a second, the most damning thing of all for me is that at the end of that race... Uh, Vettel was running sixth and Raikkonen was running fifth, albeit 40 seconds up the road, and Ferrari didn't even bother swapping them. If that's not an admission of defeat, I don't know what is. Like, if Vettel's really going to fight for this championship, he needs every point he can get, and they just didn't bother. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, there is that. Uh, Ricardo's drive. Yeah, really good. Considering, like I said, on Saturday, he was like, eh, don't think I'll be able to do much from here. <laughs> Scythe <laughs> yeah. his way through. He must be really happy with that, it's considering how emotional he was on Saturday as well. Yeah. He was really, really... You could see the interview, mm. how upset he was. Um, yeah, so well done. On the flip side, his interview after the race, he was utterly chuffed. Yeah, he ended up. as you would be. He, 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 he was like back to beaming Daniel Ricciardo that you see. Mm. Um, so big difference between 24 mm. hours. Uh, um. Yeah, and we've not really talked about either of them, but Lewis and Bottas were in this race as well, just to remind everyone. Who? (laughs) Um, Exactly. Lewis just disappeared from the beginning and ran his own race at his own pace. Like, led, yeah, led from start to finish. Um, Bottas had a very similar race, but 
almost was overtaken by Verstappen towards the end, but generally was trouble-free for him too. Um, a dominant performance, yeah, I guess, really, for the Silver Arrows, wasn't just it? never looked beatable. Boring, wasn't it? <laughs> for for the for their point of view, I guess. Yeah. Um, did you know that? Did you hear that? Um, um, but that's why we didn't see yeah, any did coverage. You, did you hear the radio message? Like they had so little communication that Lewis yeah. thought they'd uh, they'd gone off for a break or something. Yeah. Gone for a tea break. <laughs> that's so little. Bono, have you gone for a break? Yeah. <laughs> Ridiculous. Yeah. I mean, that, if that's not dominance, I don't know what is. Yeah. 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 Um, and then as we sort of touched on earlier, uh, that leaves Lewis with a 67-point lead in the title race. There's 100 left on the table with four races left. Um, uh, America is a bit of a stomping ground for yep. Lewis. He's won the last four. Um, he's won five out of the six now that have been there because and Seb's won mm-hmm. the other one. Um, that gap's probably going to grow. And like we've already kind of touched on, if Lewis wins it, and Sebastian isn't second behind him, it is right. over and Do you it's, know what? it's done. Plot um, twist. I think Lewis Hamilton is going to retire in uh, the USA Grand Prix. I think he's going to have a failure. And Vettel's going to win it. Hamilton's had one retirement all season, hasn't he, in Austria? Yeah. I believe. So I mean, there's still scope for him to have another one, but especially if his engine was having a a cough uh, in Japan. I don't know how many engines he's got left, actually. Yeah. Um, uh, let me find uh, out for do you. Do you not think at this point this is where Mercedes start just edging off using max performance though from a, a like with four races left, um, limited engines left, and what is an a very large gap in terms of races left? Do you not think this is where Mercedes? Just turn it down from like eleven to ten. Yeah, just try true. and ease the load on that engine a little mm. bit. And you know what? Second, a couple of seconds is still fine for him. Yeah. If yeah. Depending on where it. just just being ahead of Sebastian is simply enough, realistically, yeah. isn't it? It doesn't yeah. matter if they're ninth and tenth, as long as he's in front of Sebastian, it doesn't matter. Well, I'm saying that Seb's going to win in the USA, and Hamilton's going to going to going to retire. He's not going to score a point. So the and that'd be a nice plot twist if it happened. Yeah, yeah, I, I, it would be. I think it'd bring the champion. It, it'd breathe a couple of breaths of life back into the championship, which is what it needs now at this point. Really, yeah. if we're honest, like you know, yeah, people are going to tune out, aren't they? Because you, you, you kind of feel like it's done. Especially if he wins it in the mm. USA, it's like you've got three races left. Three really good races as well. Usually, Mexico's a great race. Brazil's a cracking race. Abu Dhabi's a yeah. okay race. Um, <laughs> it'd be a shame um, for it to not for those not to be factored into the championship. I think. Yeah, totally. Yeah, um, Stu, I appreciate your optimism. I, however, had that optimism with my predictions for Japan, as you will remember, didn't pay off, and I was severely let down. <laughs> I am very disappointed, and I now have lost all optimism. So. <laughs> Um, <laughs> Hamilton has used three each of the uh, combustion engine, turbo, and MGU-H, and two each of the MGU-K wow. energy store and control electronics, which is the maximum amount you can use. So if he does have a problem with the engine he used in Japan, he's either going back to an older engine that's already done its life, or he's taking a grid penalty. Um, 
Yeah. So well, there's there still go. potential for some excitement so there. Absolutely, at the very least. he's maxed out. Then isn't he? He's totally maxed out. And then, yeah. But then you wonder what the situation yeah. is with the other engines for other guys because it is that time of year where everyone's stuff starts to. Yeah. Um, Vettel's on exactly the same usage as him as is Raikkonen. Um, Bottas has already had a few extra parts because he had a penalty in somewhere. Um, and the less said about the Red Bull engine situation, the better. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Mm. Right. Um, yeah. That's that then. Bearing everything we've spoken about so far, um, where would you put your driver of the day vote, gentlemen? It's a tricky one I, this week. I can tell you where I wouldn't put it, and that's with Vettel, despite him getting <laughs> third in the uh, actual <laughs> driver of the day vote. That's just how, yeah. how can you give that to Vettel? Like, it's ridiculous. Like, yeah, he drove terribly. That's baffling. Mm. That's the advantage of a giant fan base yeah. behind the team and the driver, that though, isn't it? That will vote yeah, for somebody no matter what. Yeah, they, I mean, it just help. shows you how he's, he's always going to get at least third place, regardless of what he does. He could retire. Same with Verstappen, isn't it? Place. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, it is. It's, it is very much like the Verstappen effect. Like, there's that many fans behind the one that's the considered Ferrari the lead driver. driver. Yeah, 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 it doesn't matter who it is. It's the lead driver in the team is going to get the votes of that team's yeah. fans. But. Although I still love whatever race it was that was really dull and Sorokin caused the safety car, um, the F1 Reddit managed to get Sorokin third place in driver of the day, <laughs> which was amazing. <laughs> that is good. I've forgotten about that. Um, I'd like to give driver of the day to Brendan Hartley after his heroics on Saturday, but unfortunately he went backwards on yeah. Sunday. Driver of, Sat- based- driver of Saturday. Yes. Of yeah, absolutely yeah. was Hartley. Um Grosjean was no sorry Perez was best of the rest followed by Grosjean yeah. um, they both had decent races it's hard to look past Hamilton again though isn't it I mean that was a perfect race yeah yeah. I think if you don't give it to Hamilton you give it to Ricardo. agree I would yeah I would have put a vote forward for Ricardo because not saying Lewis has got it easier but he had a, he had it a lot easier than Danny Rick did. oh yeah yeah um, Definitely, so, but then he, you know, I think he, you have to be at a certain level to make it easy for yourself, and Hamilton yeah. is very much at that level. So, very, very yeah, it's point. deserved. I think a nod to Verstappen as well for after the incident with Vettel. Just he didn't seem. Well, obviously, we don't hear all the team radio, but it's not like we heard him screaming and effing and Jeffy. He just seemed to get his head down and get on with it, and drove a really solid race. But yeah, but let's not forget he. He was a bit naughty against Raikkonen, though, wasn't he? He was, he was quite cynical. That is very true. It's a very yeah. cynical move. I, I think I can, that. I can go with Ricardo. I can go with Ricardo. I can go. With, I'm, I'm balanced on Ricardo and Hamilton, to be honest. So you've got decided. Let's go, Ricardo then. Yeah, Ricardo. Uh, Ricardo's not going to get as much as Hamilton by the end of this season. So let's give it Danny Rick. No. <laughs> okay. Sympathy vote, Ricardo. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> move <laughs> of the day, then, gentlemen. I mean, as the two we've mentioned, um, the Vettel on Grosjean on lap one. Um, in a place that doesn't normally have overtakes, which is always nice to see. And then Magnussen on Leclerc, um, the sort of lap before they're coming yeah. together. Um, I, it's tough for me, this, because I want I mean, to I'm, give it I'm Magnussen sure there were some really good that. Danny Rick ones, but we... Yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm hesitant to give anything to Magnussen other than a telling card. <laughs> but, um, <laughs> that was... I mean, it was... It was a really, really, really good move around the outside of 130R, so I think I'm going to have to grudgingly nominate him for that. You know what? 
that's that is my that's you, you now realize why I defended him so staunchly at the, <laughs> at the start of this podcast today because you want to like, give him this. that is literally that is honestly that is my move of the race that that absolutely brilliant yeah, move it really was it's rock solid balls to the wall no no one coming back from that tom what's yours i, I already said magnuson <laughs> there we go right he, he can have it and he should consider himself yeah. very lucky yeah, that he's yeah, getting we'll just it. pretend um, that the lap after very, didn't happen he's gonna, <laughs> yeah. he's gonna get a very stern talking to to go with it <laughs> yes that's his prize <laughs> from chris yes. chris is gonna go around there give him a very strong word uh next next <laughs> yeah and that that Sorry. leaves us with honestly what the f- are we doing here what are we doing? Here? I mean, it could easily be a double award for Magnuson. Um, mm. He could win move of the day and WTF in the space <laughs> of four corners, like half a lap. I actually, yeah. I actually quite like that idea. <laughs> um, I do think Verstappen's incident he got the penalty for was pretty bad as well. Did you also hear about the whole McLaren tire choice? No, thing? I just saw. What's this? So, if you look at the. Um, the list of tires that everyone took, as you always get, most most as usual, like one or two of the hardest, more of the middle, and oh. mostly the soft ones. Yeah, yeah. McLaren had what was was it? Super soft, soft and medium. We had it's in four Japan. of each, wasn't it? They they brought. I think it was four five four, which is like, you know, an even split. The original story that was knocking around was that McLaren had forgotten to tell Pirelli what they wanted <laughs> so Pirelli just gave them wow. like an even spread McLaren that, to be fair that story was only appearing on some of the less <laughs> reputable uh, news sources on the internet the, the satirical ones maybe <laughs> back of the grid um, no <laughs> <laughs> it was more the ones that um, post the story first and ask questions later um, McLaren sort of later refuted that and just said at the point they ordered them and the understanding they had of their car at that point, that's what I thought was best. <laughs> that's what I can remember saying. I said that to you both when I saw the thing. I said, <laughs> yeah. McLaren don't understand their car. Basically, and yeah, that's admitted what happened. it. That's hilarious. Um, which is why uh, I think all of FP1 and most of FP2, Alonso didn't even run the softest tyre because um, they didn't have many <laughs> of them. Goodness. So that was a hot mess. Um I do like the idea of giving both awards to Magnus. Oh, to be honest, I think I'll, I'll, I'll just I'll just throw in one WTF. one obvious one for me that um, has gone by the wayside with you two, it would seem. But um, Marcus Ericsson managed to ram into the back of his teammate under a safety car. Mm. Just that was point pretty that silly, out. Yeah, <laughs> that is. Uh, I think he was a bit a unlucky, no-no though, in many ways. <laughs> yeah, I think he was a little unlucky there, though. I think the pack just. Bunched up way up, more than anyone yeah. expected. Yeah, yeah. Caught, it would have caught anyone out. I think that. It's a bit Do you know what I find? I know. I, look, I, I'm, I'm the first person to speak against Marcus Ericsson, and even I'm defending <laughs> him. Do you know what I find quite comical <laughs> about it? There was a point where Sauber weren't sure what had exactly had gone wrong with Leclerc's car, and in an interview while they were still looking into it, Leclerc said it could have been the left front, but also the right rear. And that's basically one of the two guys that hit me ruined my race, but I'm not going to point a finger at which one <laughs> until I know for definite. <laughs> yeah, which I enjoyed immensely. It's either it's either Mister Defensive Driving or it, um, it's got to be that ambassador. One. It, it is that one. Um, 
the brand ambassador I just wanted to bring up for comical effects (laughs) more than anything. That's good. Cool. So who are we giving it to? Double double award for Magnuson. Yeah, it's got to be. Cool. So, um, have we got any other inbox box boxes, Chris, from other than what you brought up earlier? We have a couple of other bits and bobs, yes. We have an email, I think, from Narayan Hamari. I hope I'm saying that right. Uh, hugely entertaining qualifying session. Suzuka really brings out the quality of the drivers, teams, and machinery, which, yeah, it's you can always see with the order of the grid in Suzuka that the good drivers tend to work their way towards mm-hmm. the top. Um Unfortunately for Ricardo, positive signs about the C-spec engine have only substantiated screams of frustration, a term that also describes my disappointment in Ferrari rather perfectly, <laughs> which I like. Um, oh, how I wish for a Hamilton versus Vettel start on the front row leading into a proper battle for the lead into the first corner. Uh, the timing of the rain was essentially the racing gods deciding to piss on Vettel for screwing up his one chance to put a decent lap up before the rain came, as Raikkonen already managed to do. Mm. <laughs> which, yeah, I mean... Yeah, I completely agree. I, I, I want wheel-to-wheel battles for the championship, and I, I do not gain them. I agree, but I've got to say, I t- did take great pleasure in seeing Ferrari squirm during that qualifying session. <laughs> to be honest, <laughs> but that's just me. It's he's telling that um, Arriva Bene doesn't really. Uh, he's not even saying anything to anyone this latter half of the season. You just sort of see him shake his head or just drop his head and walk off when something yeah. goes I might, I might put together a supercut of just Arriva Benet's gestures. <laughs> and disappointment. Yeah, yeah. Um, and then one final message from Phil Mark, not Mark, who, Phil, which I accidentally called him on Facebook the other day, so I apologise for that. His name is definitely Phil and not Mark. Um, he said... Would you rather race against people like Senna, Prost, Mansell, Berger, PK, or modern day drivers like Hamilton, Alonso, Vettel, Kimi, maybe even Hackney and Schumacher? Hmm. I think it, it, it depends if you get to drive that yeah, era of cars I think, as I well. I think that's part of it. And if that is part of it, then it would be the old guard for me there, the Senna, Prost, Mansell, Berger, PK, like eight, late 80s, early 90s era stuff that. As I I would say that, but if the classic cars on the new F1 game are anything to go by, I wouldn't last more oh, than yeah, two corners, last. and I'd do a much better job in the modern. Yeah, cars. I wouldn't last. <laughs> but if if I if I could be given talent as well, <laughs> then then that would be my option. Just because those are the guys that I sort of idolised as a really tiny little kid mm. that got me yeah. into it in the first place. So I think like a lot of the drivers in the other list, your Hamilton, Alonso, Vettel. Kimmy as sort of they um that's the reason that they're in the sport almost as well. So yeah. Mm. Uh, for me, uh can I can I have can I have both? Can I have both super the best no, modern no. day drivers and the best old school drivers, please? I want like a super grid of like the best drivers. That'd be a world, hell of a grid, yeah. And then I want to race against those guys. Alright, we'll allow it. Yeah. Take take um, thanks. We should we'll we'll form our own super grid that's got like the best three people from each decade of the sport. That's what we should do. Ooh, Ooh. that sounds good. There's an article in that. There is an article there. There's a, there's a social post or something there. Yeah. Definitely. <laughs> um thank you for that would you rather Phil, because I think we asked for some more of those yeah, last week. So I, I thanks figured for Stu would enjoy yeah. that because Stu was the one that specifically yeah. really enjoyed would you rather. 
and then I answered it by saying, can I just have both? <laughs> Is that how you answer the ball, <laughs> no, Stu? Right. Can I just have both? <laughs> Depending. Oh, you're the, sort of, you're the sort of person who'd wish for more wishes, aren't you? <laughs> I am. I am that guy. Um, do we have one more message? We, we do. A- um, one of your other favourite people in the world, Stu. Um, yes. This is my favourite part of the week. Yeah. This, this, this is, the, is the bit that you week. look forward to each week. It is. Um, has been renamed, so I think I was on the right lines of the Lola MasterCard brand mm-hmm. ideas, people, whatever it was, because uh, it lasted two races and it's gone. Um, this week, it's the official Bruno, Bruno Senna brand ambassador. <laughs> nice, nice. Which I hope is a nice homage to our yardsticking of Bruno Senna. I very much hope <laughs> and so, And then yeah. obviously um, a bit of Marcus Ericsson in there as well. When we when we um put together our uh, super grid, can we also include yeah, Bruno Senna? Yeah, he's going to be the yardstick in the middle. Yeah. Are they better than Bruno yeah. Senna? Yes or no? <laughs> exactly. Yeah, yeah. So the official Bruno Senna brand ambassador says, um, being that it's a Japanese GP, I applauded Kevin Magnuson for paying homage to former Super Aguri driver Yuji Ida by blocking someone who was much faster than him and then crashing immediately afterwards, which cleverly compounds Yuji's, Yuji's entire career in F1 into 10 seconds. Um, the casual fan misses these fascinating <laughs> callbacks to some of the greatest drivers in F1 history. Unless you're the Haas team principal and have the self-awareness uh, akin to a blindfolded Lance Stroll, one would jump to the conclusion that it was a dangerous and stupid move. Uh, I call it being a student of history. History like Vettel's time in F1 <laughs> as he prepares to be eaten alive by Charles Leclerc in the same way Grosjean eats up super license points. <laughs> <laughs> My goodness! Oh, wow. brutal and I mean, funny. Oh. This, to be fair, you know, I it, said a similar thing earlier, just not quite so <laughs> scathing. Yeah, it's it's like having a conversation with a volcano. It just it just keeps <laughs> spewing stuff out at you, like, <laughs> and it it builds and builds and builds, and then it erupts yeah, yeah, with the yeah, killer just, thing. Yeah, oh, brilliant! Very good. That was a good, very good. Good. Good email, well done. Yeah, good effort. I don't even know we, what to say. To we you. still don't know the, the, the <laughs> full true identity of whoever this is. It's just a delightful thing to read out, and I quite like that it's a mystery. Though. I do. Yeah. I'm enjoying the mystery. Of there, it. there is that. It's like Spider Man, and I like that. I keep these emails, this particular email, from you each week. So yeah, I get your like full on mm. reaction to it. <laughs> so, uh, but that wraps us up for the Japanese Grand Prix and everything like that. Um, so I guess we should see how predictions went. All right, let's do predictions then. Um, so, obviously, most people got um, fastest qualifier and winner. It was kind of always going to be Hamilton. Uh, that was the only two that I got. Tom, you got Hamilton, but as we know, you went a little bit off piste yeah. with your predictions last week it's and went for a Vettel win. Next didn't quite happen. Tom, Tom, Tom. You can't say anything, <laughs> Stu, with your prediction for America. You've got to stick to that now. I'm making you stick to I'm that. Not sticking to, I'm not sticking to that. I'm you said it on this that. episode. You're sticking <laughs> to uh, it. Yeah, there's, your money where there's your mouth a whole is. other episode to record yet, my friend. <laughs> <laughs> we'll see. We'll see. We've got a whole week to consider it yet. <laughs> um, Stu, you managed to score three. Uh, you got up double ham, and you also got uh, 17 finishes. That's right. Um, it was actually a pretty high scoring week. We had three people got four mm. out of five. Um, so close yet so far to that prize. Uh, some names here are, we haven't seen that much either. Uh, Vasco, Brenton Field, William Housden, and Emmanuel R10. So well done to all three yeah. of you for getting four out of five. We then had like 15 people got three as well. So uh, yeah, 
Damn, very high scoring, scoring week. week. That's probably the best scoring week that we've ever had, I think. I think it mm. might be, yeah. Uh, how many of those people do you think are kicking themselves for not going K-Mag on first DNF, despite usually most yeah. people probably used to do that? Only actually one person got first DNF. That's yeah, a rare I can tell you, I'm... Um, ab- I'm absolutely kicking myself for not picking him. I could have, <laughs> I could have really put the nail in the coffin for Tom by picking game four, three points ahead of you instead of two. My, it's my mission just to beat you at this point, Tom. As as reigning champion, <laughs> I accept that you have to win sometime. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly, exactly. I, I'm like, I'm like um, Nico Rosberg to your Lewis. Exactly. <laughs> Uh, in the overall standings, um, our top two outscored the chasing pack a little bit. Um, so it remains Oleg Sidorov number one with 27.5 points, followed by Henrik Lindoff on 24 points. Uh, and then Dominic Poole and Eric Richardson, third and fourth of both, slipped back a little bit. Um, Stu, you are in ninth place on 19 points. Mm-hmm. Tom, you are 16th with 17 points, so only just uh, behind. Uh and I, I'm continuing to gradually make way up. I'm now 40th with 10.5 points. Um, unfortunately for me, um, in the Chris versus Dats Life mini league, uh, they outscored me by a point this week. So they are now one ahead. Dang. Um, with a few races to go. Oh. Um, but yeah, lots lots of excitement, unlike the top of the actual F1 points table. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, and that that's it for predictions. Uh, do we want to have a quick visit to a fantasy league corner, Ooh. Stu? Yes, let's go to Fantasy League Avenue. We have a new leader um, in our um, in our league called West Mika Hakkinen. Um, Appreciate the name. Yeah, it's Definitely. a it's a new entry. He's actually finished as well. Finnish Hakkinen fan. Excellent. Um, for, and then the racing incidents are in second. And I have been because of this new entry, I've been demoted to third. Green, Greenwood Festival of Speed and then Tom is down in 10th and Chris mm. is down in 13th but you know it's 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 quite tight really like Chris you're probably not not in it anymore mate but <laughs> I'm not a million miles behind Tom actually no you know you're not far behind yeah. Tom yeah it's, it's very close like down down it. even at the top it's quite close as well so get, get your entries in join the league you might find yourself in the league <laughs> yeah if you've already got a decent number of points you might just, just join and be winning yeah. it like the West if you've got, person. if you've got I, I'm not going to tell you how many points you need because that would be defeating the object so just join just, <laughs> just join and just then find out just if join. you're winning or not <laughs> yeah surprise <laughs> and there you go that's that's uh, that's a very brief detour through fantasy land <laughs> oh, I was hoping for a racing analogy there. There's no race analogy there. Okay. Well, if you no. could come up with a better race analogy for the fantasy league section, then let us know <laughs> by getting in touch via Twitter at Back of the Grid F1, Facebook by searching for Back of the Grid and following the page, Instagram at Back of the Grid, and you can go to the website at backofthegrid.com where there is a contact us form. And obviously, you can register for the Predictions League and join in with that. Uh, remember that there is a prize for anyone who gets the first clean sweep well any clean sweep for that matter of scoring five in a week um and three people yep came very, very close, close this week we almost had to pay out three times <laughs> so um yeah uh, please remember as well that every like share and subscribe you give the podcast on whatever form you listen to it is always extremely helpful so we do appreciate those and if you've ever enjoyed the um, rarity of a chew and Chew and stomp. Yeah. Let's do that again. 
If you've ever enjoyed the rarity of a Tom and Stew episode, which a few of you will have, um, you get one next week because it's just us two for the American GP preview. The American GP. Yeah, I'm, I'm off. Doing is that what it is? Is it, is it is it is it the USA Grand Prix? Is it the it's American? The, it's the US GP. It's the US GP. Is it? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. At the circuit of the Americas. Yeah. That's that's correct. Yeah. That's what we'll be doing next week then. I look forward to listening to it. Let's say bye now. Bye. <laughs> bye. <laughs> This podcast is part of Britpod Scene, an independent network of uniquely British podcasts that's always growing. Check out BritpodScene.com or BritpodScene on Twitter to find out more. <laughs>